Hey everybody, Adrian here, and happy Halloween to everyone that celebrates it. On this special B-side episode of Sidebar Forever, I'll be going solo as I detail my immense love for one of the true cult classics of the season, 1987's Evil Dead 2. Directed by Sam Raimi and starring Bruce, the Chin Campbell, and Sarah Berry, this seminal film really imagines horror as a cartoon, if you will. You know, with myself not being a huge fan of the horror genre, you know, um, this film still, you know, works very, very nicely for me. You know, it's like uh, Raimi's uh, hyperkinetic camera work, uh, Campbell's expressive and just, just fun and rubbery facial expressions, uh, slapstick, you know, humor, really heavily inspired by the Three Stooges, and it's just, just overall off-kilter blend of humor and gore. You know, really makes it a treat every time I watch it. So, you know, I hope that this will, you know, inspire you. If you haven't seen it before, go ahead and check out the movie. And if you have seen it, let's celebrate this Halloween season by popping it in, you know, uh, tonight and uh, giving it a watch. So, without further ado, let's get into Evil Dead 2 because it's groovy. Alright, so Evil Dead 2 itself is actually, if, 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 you can, if you can believe it, is actually a sequel, but also a reimagining of the uh, previous uh, film, uh, 1981's Evil Dead, that um, Raimi and Campbell, you know, obviously, you know, produced and, you know, Raimi directed and Campbell starred in. And the wild thing is, is that it really did not get much traction here in America at the time. It's only when I believe they shipped it over to London for a film festival that it got love over there, which is interesting because another small independent film, you know, started off like that. Um, I'm reminded of John Carpenter's Assault on Precinct 13. Um, that didn't get a lot of love here, but when it was shown over in London in similar auspices, you know, it started getting love there. And then that love came back to the States and, you know, jump started uh, Carpenter's career here. So that's, that's just the interesting uh, correlation. And so with it becoming kind of a cult classic, you know, the first film, um, they started getting enough leverage, if you will, whatever, you know, leverage they could um, to approach a super producer at the time, Dino De Laurentiis, uh, to produce the sequel. And what they were saying was, was that, hey, you know, we really want to uh, transport, you know, the story into like this medieval setting with these um, with Ash, you know, fighting against the deadites and all of this, you know, type of thing in this um, medieval setting. And um, Dino De Laurentiis was like, okay, that sounds good. That sounds good. However, this is only how much money I'm going to give you. And so the movie was financed, I believe, for three and a half million dollars. And that's all the money that they had. Now, given that budget, which is a very, very, very modest budget, uh, Raimi and Campbell decided to, hey, what if we take that and we reimagine the first film? but 
also do a continuation of the story as well to perhaps lead into that medieval setting. And so that's what they did, you know, and I think it's I think it's fantastic. You know, uh, I think it was a great. Them taking advantage of that um, of that meager budget, oftentimes it's, it's just like how it is in regular uh, production. Oftentimes when you have a meager budget and you're really trying to um, stretch every penny and have it show on screen, there is immense, you know, freedom, immense creative freedom in doing, you know, that very thing. And I really believe that shows here with uh, Ramey and Campbell both, you know, um, just the the inventive camera work, you know, that's on display here from Ramey. You know, there was a um, there's a couple of anecdotes that the uh, crew and cast relate about how prepared uh, Ramey was considering how young he was at the time. I mean, this guy was in his, I believe in his late 20s, you know, but everyone says that he was super prepared and he had, you know, every shot in his mind. And he was able to relate that very visually to, you know, whomever needed to know so that they could do the shot properly. And everyone talks about how prepared he was, how professional he was and how he wasn't, you know, one of those directors that was just so retentive about, you know, making sure, you know, you nailed everything. You know, he was open to suggestion on the set. You know, if there was something that worked, you know, better, he was all ears, you know, just as long as it kept up the spirit of the film, you know, and the the really kinetic uh, camera work is a hallmark of Raimi's as well. And you can see that on display, not only here, this is almost like the beginnings of it here, um, but there was a previous movie uh, called uh, Crime Wave um, in 1985 that was, I, I, I'll say it, it was a flop, okay? It was a commercial and critical flop. But if you check that out, if you get a chance to check that out, there is very much on display the beginnings of that type of camera work um, and style that Raimi becomes um, very much known for. And he starts to uh, perfect his craft with Evil Dead 2. And then later on, you see it on full display, you know, when he uh, makes uh, Dark Man in 1990, uh, The Quick and the Dead, I believe in 1995. And of course, his trilogy of Spider-Man films in the early aughts, the early 2000s. So he's always, you know, been, you know, with that type of um, aesthetic, if you will. And then you also got um, Campbell's uh, just, like I mentioned, his very expressive facials and then also the stunts, the stunts. He did most of, if not all of his own stunts. And some of them are just, stupendous <laughs> stupendous absolutely stupendous you know like landing face down in a muddy in a muddy puddle and just holding it there in real time for like 10 or 15 seconds and then he pops up and you realize that he's wearing this mask because he's been possessed by these demons in in this cabin and uh it's just like, wow, how was he able to hold his breath for that long and then 
he pops up and he's obviously wearing a mask. So he's doing all of this in a mask. It's just crazy. And, you know, stuff like flipping him over, smashing plates over his head, um, getting drenched by different color, <laughs> different colored blood. It's just, it's, it's just something else, man. It's, it's just something else. And, you know, and Campbell's acting here, it's B movie acting. He's not, he's not trying to give you some Daniel Day Lewis here. He's trying to give you just this, very much pulpy sensibility and it's with his delivery it's with his facials if it's with his body you know it's just great it's, it's a total package and it really works here man and um the uh slapstick that's here like that slapstick humor uh both Ramy and campbell are you know huge fans huge fans of the uh three stooges you know so there's a couple of things in the film more than a couple of things but there's some that are very much notably lifted from directly from you know old three stooges uh routines you know uh, eye pokes and you know um um certain certain other things like that you know and it's just i i think it's an alchemic mix if you will that just really makes this film just so entertaining and really takes the piss out, if you will, of, you know, it being a horror movie, you know, uh, just really makes it and reimagines horror as a cartoon. And that really, really works for me. And uh, I, 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 I love it every time I watch it. Hello. We're about to film a very dangerous stunt. Bruce Campbell is about to uh, <laughs> crash through these steps over there. Oh. Hi, Bruce. Hi, Greg. Sam and I have a good symbiotic relationship. You know, he's crazy, and I guess I'm willing to put up with his craziness. Action! You okay, Bruce? Speaking of anecdotes, uh, there's one that's been oft-related, and it involves uh, actor Bill Paxton um, saying that there was one day where uh, he was at his home, and James Cameron either calls him up or pulls up in pulls up in his driveway you know to his house to Paxton's house and and is excited about this new film he you know is telling Paxton hey we've, we've got to go see this film we've got to go see this new film um have, have you heard of Evil Dead 2 and Paxton's like uh no I, I I don't know what that is what is it and apparently James Cameron you know the world famous James Cameron was saying, we got to go see it. We got to see it right now. And 15 minutes later, they're down at their local uh, movie movie house, their local Megaplex or whatnot, um, checking it out. And Paxton says that Cameron was so impressed by, you know, Raimi as this new, young, you know, filmmaker, just really doing some bravura work, if you will. And just, again, he's the one, I believe, that, you know, made the observation, Cameron, he's the one that made the observation that, you know, this kind of reimagines, you know, horror as a cartoon, you know, um, this is the future of horror, if you will. And so, you know, with that story being related and, you know, being passed through, you know, generation to generation of, you know, um, of, you know, um, in the industry, you know, I, I think it, it holds true. And, and as for Paxton, that was his introduction to Raimi because Paxton would go on later 
to uh, star in Raimi's uh, movie, A Simple Plan, in the late 90s. And Paxton, he also relates that he was almost, almost cast as Darkman um, in 1990. But he ended up telling Liam Neeson about the role. And lo and behold, Liam Neeson came in, auditioned, and got the role over him. So, you know, Paxson was like, damn it. <laughs> but that's okay because, you know, he got he got his uh, leading role later on, you know, like I mentioned in A Simple Plan. And, and, you know, another thing, too, speaking of the film itself, um, being that it is a horror film and we were talking about horror as a cartoon, it's interesting to note that uh, by the early to mid-1980s, you know, a lot of the uh, horror staples really had become cartoonish themselves in a sense. You know, perhaps not to the degree that the Evil Dead does here, but cartoonish in that, you know, a lot of them have really become the same and almost the villains of these movies became icons, you know. They became almost, in a way, the heroes or anti-heroes of these movies instead of the uh, potential victims or the um, people trying to avoid these grisly deaths. I mean, think of stuff like, you know, uh, Freddy Krueger, um, Jason, even The Shape. It's not, it's not Michael Myers. It's The Shape um, in the Halloween movies. Um, these these characters actually, you know, the, the kills that they were, you know... Um, E evincing on the victims were getting just more and more outlandish, you know, and people would go to, you know, experience more, not so much the, the horror aspect, but like how spectacular these certain kills would be, you know, on these victims. And thus, you know, that's how these things started getting more cartoonish. But you have something like Evil Dead 2 that fully embraces that. Now, I don't know if it's a one-on-one -on -one correlation, but it fully embraces the fact of, hey, you know, we already have, and I'm speaking of Raimi and Campbell, we already have a natural proclivity towards, you know, just taking a, a more humorous bent to this stuff. Why don't we put that into, you know, the, uh, the horror genre, but in a more genuine way, you know? And what's interesting to note is, is that there is a proclaimer at the beginning of Evil Dead 2, you know, to the effect of, hey, this movie has, you know, um, violence and scenes that, you know, are not, that are not, um, not, they're, they're, that are not, um, they're not, you know, that, that shouldn't be viewed by someone under the age of 17. Basically, you know, an R rating. But what's interesting is, is that it was granted nearly an X rating at the time, which is crazy because given that when you watch it, there is, there is like, by today's sensibilities, there is very little that would earn it an X rating. And especially when you stand it up against those other, you know, um, horror movies of the 1980s. I mean, you have stuff like Hellraiser. Like I mentioned, those Freddy Krueger and Jason and, you know, Halloween movies that really have some grisly, truly grisly, you know, um, scenes in there of gore and death as such. 
But those always got a hard R every time. Never an X rating. Yet something like Evil Dead 2 that really doesn't have a lot of that was, was you know, going to be, you know, given an X rating, which is boggling to me. I think, to me, this is my own impression, I think the reason why it was going to be given an X rating is that sometimes, you know, when something is very new and very few people, you know, understand it or understand what's going on with um, that thing at first, they don't know how to react to it. So they react to it out of uh, fear. And I'm not saying fear like, oh, you know, this this new thing is going to cause the end of civilization. It's just that they don't know how to handle this um, particular um, blend or this new bent, you know, that this film is going in or is taking this genre in. So, of course, you're going to brand it X because you don't know really how to categorize it as of yet, you know. But really, truly, you know, the Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2 would today just be an R. You know, if that, I mean, there's not a lot of gore going on. There's, you know, some, some foul language, but even not much at that, you know, it's really very much, you know, slapstick humor, you know, um, some, some, some gore, of course. I mean, you have, you know, um, Campbell, you know, Campbell's character, uh, Ash chopping his hand off and putting a chainsaw on it, you know, and then you have a chainsaw through going through his girlfriend's head. And, you know, there are certain other things where I can see, okay. Maybe an X rating might be, but there's not enough of that to really grant it a full X, you know. So I just always thought that that was kind of kind of weird that they would try to do that type of rating for it. I think we were all very impressed with how young he was. I remember someone saying he was like Hitchcock. He had every shot lined up, what he wanted, how, you know, he had it already in his mind how he wanted it to be. He was a very clear, very even keel director. All right. And and finally, I wanted to talk about the uh, the legacy, if you will, of the uh, Evil Dead. Um, one is you ha- you do have like the special effects, which I need to make um, note of uh, just in terms of uh, the prosthetics and the makeup of um, the characters as done by. I believe it's uh, Greg Nicotero, uh, Robert Kurtzman, and uh, I think Greg Berger, if 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 I'm not mistaken. I'm I'm sorry, I'm sorry if I'm blanking on the name, um, the, the third name. But they're now you know renowned through the industry as a KNB. Um, they are you know constantly working. You've seen their work on numerous numerous films and television shows. Like you know at the time they were fledgling and they were getting their sea legs in terms of a studio that would you know produce these type of effects and prosthetics but after the evil dead 2 they really became renowned uh, for doing this type of stuff and you know given the modest budget of uh the film they really do wonders with it and i can see why you know they've gone on to do you know shows such as the walking dead and many other films many other films you know particularly they, they do have a bent toward the horror genre you know and um i think it's just great to see them get their start here under Raimi, you know, with the Evil Dead too, and another thing as well. Uh, speaking of Raimi, is his camera work. Um, like I mentioned, you see like his camera work um, in a lot of movies, you know, that he's directed since then, and it's been enhanced by 
he's um he had taken some um influence as well not just from you know um the three stooges but he was also a big big fan of the um burgeoning hong kong action movie industry that was going on in the early to mid 80s and really started to blossom over there and as those movies became imports here to the states you know that that same type of camera work you know um the movement that the characters would have in those in, in those certain flicks you know Raimi was starting to put in over here and it's funny because he we know well not we um a lot of people may know Raimi more for like his Spider-Man movies in the early 2000s and it's funny because the camera work that you see in there he was already doing a semblance of in a very comic booky type of way, you know, with his previous films like Evil Dead 2 and Dark Man and such, you know. So it's almost like the Evil Dead 2 was a laboratory for him, you know, to begin to work out these type of um, uh, this, this type of Rivera filmmaking, if you will, you know, to really get, you know, a semblance you know, of what his style would be going forward. And it's just really awesome to see him, you know, take that on. And um, another thing with Raimi as well, uh, here in the Evil Dead 2, well, it actually starts um, years before with the first Evil Dead and basically every movie since then. Um, he puts in the classic. And what the classic is, it's a 1973 Buick this kind of yellow, almost pea soup green um, 70s car. Looks like my notes tell me actually that it's a 1973 Oldsmobile Delta 88. So that's uh, that's the ride right there. And apparently it belonged to his father. And um, Sam ended up inheriting it, you know, and put it in every one of his films since then. Even films that have nothing to do with the, the the action or horror genres, he still found a way, apparently, to work them into the screen. Um, and that's actually the car that the character, Ash, drives up to the cabin to start the Evil Dead 2 with as well. Uh, so that's another trademark of Raimi. And as far as their legacies, um, speaking of Raimi and Campbell... I think uh, Raimi's legacy uh, really starts here with the Evil Dead 2 and moving forward. Um, like I mentioned, he had obviously, you know, um, other films prior to the Evil Dead 2. But I think with this particular film, it really cements his foundation to start building a very much a burgeoning film career um, that really garnered him you know, not only more financial success, but also a uh, a following, very much a, a cult following and into the mainstream, you know, once he doing once he started doing, you know, the uh, Spider-Man films in the early 2000s. Uh, but, you know, his other films as well, you know, Dark Man, The Quick and the Dead, um, even even things that are outside of those particular genres, like uh, A Simple Plan, um I would say for the love of the game, but eh, it's, it's okay. It's okay. 
So we'll, we'll just stick <laughs> with, with the films of his that we love, you know, uh, with Raimi. So I think Raimi's legacy, you know, begins here with the Evil Dead too, just in terms of, um, just in terms of, you know, making the type of film that he wants to make, that he wanted to make, and finding a way to do so, and thus, you know, launching a a a incredibly profitable career uh, for himself as a as a filmmaker who could do um, any type of genre that he wanted to do, you know, and he did actually uh, do. I don't think he directed the remake of the Evil Dead. There was a Evil Dead uh, remake um, in the late 2000s. I want to say like I should have written down the note of uh, the, the the year that it came out, but it's I think it was like 2011 or something like that. It was definitely after 2010. Um, and he also directed a uh, I believe a if I'm not mistaken, uh, Remy. Uh, also directed a uh, or produced rather there was an ash uh versus tv show um that that was developed by Ramey and campbell as well you know also around the same time and it ran for a few years you know actually it was very popular um the character of ash williams you know continues to be very popular with viewers so there's that cult following you know that i'm talking about so, like, the Evil Dead still lives on. Um, there's been comic books of it as well, uh, video games, you know, just all types of manner of, of merchandising and other properties related to the film that have come out, you know, since, you know, this particular movie. And let's not forget as well that um, Raimi also directed a sequel to The Evil Dead 2. Uh, going back to what I was mentioning about that medieval setting, he did have that come to pass in 1993's Army of Darkness, which is the end of the Evil Dead trilogy, where finally Ash Williams is transported at the end of the Evil Dead 2 into that medieval setting and has to fight these deadites and the king of the deadites, a uh, evil medieval Ash, if you will. <laughs> and again, Army of Darkness, um, I should have mentioned it more here in the conversation, but a well, conversation is just me. I should have mentioned it here more in my dissertation, if you will, uh, just about how much fun, you know, the Army of Darkness is as the Evil Dead 2 itself. Um, so definitely check that out, too. And, and, and make sure you check out the one, the version of the Army of Darkness with the true alternate ending with uh, Ash ending back up at his uh, job at S-Mart. That's the ending that you want. That's the ending. <laughs> and, you know, speaking of Bruce Campbell, um, as the character of Ash, obviously he goes hand in hand with the Evil Dead. He literally is the face of the Evil Dead movies. And he's done several, you know, appearances in, um, um, properties you know both film and uh, television as ash um since the evil dead too and so really you know bruce campbell's legacy with the film is just that as ash i think he's developed a cult following not only for the evil dead too but for just choosing these um very um eccentric um, yet highly entertaining you know roles in like these b movies and um these um 
the B-roll productions, if you will. And every time I see Campbell, I always have a smile on my face because it's like his expressions are so likable. Um, he as a leading man, you know, in these type of productions always works. You know, the, the, the delivery of his lines, you know, it's just perfect. Like he's the perfect lead for, you know, this type of material. And he, he just comes across as a really, really cool guy. And um, I've read uh, two of his biographies. He had one out in, I believe, 19, in the early 1990s, like 92, uh, that was called If uh, Chins Could Kill. And then there was a later one um, in the early 2000s, I think, called Hail to the Chin. Um, both of them, if you get a chance to read them, they're fantastic. And as it relates to The Evil Dead 2, um, both of them also... You know, have some great anecdotes, some behind the scenes, you know, um, um, anecdotes about the production of the Evil Dead 2. So you're really getting something, um, getting some awesome uh, recollections by Campbell and some behind the scenes goodies, you know, just as he relates, you know, him working on the films, man. So it's, it's just fantastic. Um, so I think that's going to be all for me. I don't want to burn your ears off on this holiday. Uh, I want you guys to get out there and definitely, you know, take the little kitties trick or treating if you do that or just sit down tonight. It's rainy out here um, in Georgia. So maybe it's rainy where you're at. And just check out The Evil Dead 2. It's streaming right now on uh, multiple platforms or, hey, if you got it on uh, DVD or, hey, even VHS and you haven't cracked it open in a while, why don't you go ahead and do so? Because... Groovy. I'll swallow your soul. Come get some.